The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Pat Gray and Stuber Gear for Glenn. Uh, big day because uh, Donald Trump yesterday interviewed some of the potential nominees for the U.S. Supreme Court. And, uh, Stu, you actually have a, a breakdown of some of these guys? Yeah, well, I mean... Because, I mean, I'm not all that... Uh, familiar with their judicial records it's not like i follow their court actions closely uh during wow. the regular court season <laughs> what an admission <laughs> <laughs> i know that sounds really ignorant well, doesn't it but, it's one of those things i had a year a couple of years ago where i like, became obsessed with philadelphia eagles draft picks mm-hmm. and i kept just like scouting all of them and everyone that would be mentioned as a potential draft pick i would go through and learn their history and watch their you know highlight films from college and then the draft came and they didn't pick any of them. I was like, that was a complete waste of time. Why did I do that? Yeah. Uh, it's- I used to be the same way with the court, with the court yeah, system. That's why, that's why that's- Every judge, I would, I would watch his rulings. <laughs> I would jot them down. I would keep their stats, but I haven't done it in about uh, three or four years. So I'm, I'm a little <laughs> lost on where they are currently. Uh, so the, he interviewed five um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, okay, Amul Top, uh, Amul Top, Thapar. I can't. Yep. I just did the stupid. Amul Tapar. Amul. Thank you. Amul mm-hmm. Tapar. There's a real rhythm to that one. Mm-hmm. Amul Tapar. What was it again? Amul Tapar. But yeah, I mean, you follow these guys. Yeah, I right. Don't. It's uh, been a while, but uh, yes. And Raymond Kethledge uh, are the now, four. Now I understand. That he, I keep hearing that Kavanaugh is the least desirable of all of these guys. Yeah, well, or, I, I'm or nervous about it. So if you think about this list, it's gone through uh, three iterations. It was first, I think, 10, then it went up to 21, and then it went to 25. So it's, it's grown over over time. Mm-hmm. And um, Kavanaugh was put in this last group, this last group of five. Now, if you go back to the way that they picked Gorsuch, they added 10 to the list. And Gorsuch was in there. Reportedly, they basically added the 10 names so they could add Gorsuch and they wouldn't draw attention to the, we added one more name we came up with. You know, it would be kind of obvious. So they added kind of a slew of, of solid choices and, and they were targeting Gorsuch at that time as one of the favorites. So uh, Kavanaugh mm-hmm. and Barrett uh, were both added in this last group. Kavanaugh is the one we're kind of worried about here. Wasn't he, was he the one that was the runner-up to Gorsuch last time? No, that's Thomas Hardiman. And oh, Hardiman okay. is also on the on the short list here. So those are the two that I'm worried about right now. Hardiman and Kavanaugh. Now, both of them check all the boxes. Mm. They're, it's not like he's picking some guy off the streets. These are They've gone through the Federalist Society's screening. So this is... Okay. I don't think you're talking at all to just put this off the table, you know, between a, a suitor where you make a mistake and it becomes one of the most liberal justices there. I don't think you're talking... The, the scale we're discussing here is not Ginsburg to Clarence Thomas. The, the scale we're talking is Kennedy to Clarence Thomas, mm-hmm. right? There's no reason to get another Kennedy here. There's no reason to get another Sandra Roberts Day here. Sandra Day O'Connor. Sandra Day O'Connor is a great, another great example. Mm-hmm. You don't need that here. Right. You don't need it. You don't need to please the left with this pick. Not at all. At all. You shouldn't even consider it. There should be zero risk. Yep. So the issue here is not whether Kavanaugh is, he's not terrible. He's not Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He's not Souter. But I'm worried he is, you know, Roberts. Do we have any idea where he stands on Roe v. Wade? We don't know, um, per se. We do know where he stands on 
Obamacare and the individual mandate, which is really, I think, the thing that's that's throwing up red flags for everybody. He wrote a uh, a decision um, or an opinion on Obamacare as it, it was making its way up the court system to get to the Supreme Court. So this is before Roberts rules on it. And he, in his opinion, basically outlines a path to approve of Obamacare, uh, approve of the individual mandate. Now, his justification for that was largely judicial restraint. I think this, the legislature should make these decisions and, and not us. The problem with that is, you know, when it's unconstitutional, you should you should you don't need restraint mm-hmm. to stick with the Constitution. Mm-hmm. I want someone who has very little restraint to honor the Constitution. <laughs> right. You don't need restraint in that area. You need mm-hmm. someone who is going is going to not try to make new laws like, for example, Roberts did to justify Obamacare. He rewrote the law. As Scalia says, it's now SCOTUS care because we basically just rewrote it. And that is what the 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 what it was making a lot of people nervous here with Kavanaugh. Um, he is a guy who he, this in this decision, we can go through this more in depth. I don't know how boring we want to get today, but the bottom line is well, we want to be really boring. Really boring? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just want to. Well, let's read the whole decision then. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna pull this now, um, if you go through the, the breakdown of it, you know, that is largely his reasoning mm-hmm. um, is judicial restraint, which is something that was a priority of George W. Bush when p- p- picking justices. So, again, that got you Roberts. And the, the issue with Roberts is he doesn't want to make these big just, you know, rulings come from the court because he doesn't want to be the one. He wants to keep the court's um, reputation intact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't it, look the court's reputation is not your job your right. job is constitution. The constitution okay look at w- can you m- force people to buy things they don't want no I, I, like no it's not it's not available as a government power and has never been utilized as a government power until we all of a sudden made it one uh when roberts made that decision and that's the sort of thing i don't want to me that's activism Mm-hmm. When you create a brand new thing that has literally never been utilized before, forcing people to buy uh, insurance to be in good standing as a citizen, and you rework the law to make it okay, twice, by the way, Roberts did this twice in two separate cases, the subsidies and the fee tax situation. Uh, that's not what I want. And there's no reason to get another Roberts here. Because people keep saying, well, Jeffrey Tubin's on TV every day saying, oh, well, in 18 months... We're going to have absolutely no uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, women are going to have no rights. Gays are not going to be able to go into any bakeries. They will not be able to purchase baked goods at any time. Like, there's no reason to believe that. We don't know how Roberts is going to rule on Roe versus Wade. There's no way you can have confidence in that. By the way, we don't even know how Alito. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have confidence in Alito. I have confidence in Gorsuch on this issue, but we don't know how either one. The only vote you know you have is Clarence Thomas at this point. That's it. Yeah. So the, the fact that you're going to go four for four. With Roberts, Gorsuch, and Alito, which I'm pretty confident in, and then add on to that whoever this new justice is, this is a, if it's over 50%, I'll be surprised right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would buy at one-to-one uh, the odds of Roe versus Wade being overturned. I mean, I would need three, four-to-one before I, I would start. I'm nowhere near as confident as Jeffrey Tubin. I yeah. wish I were. And he's just fear-mongering, though, right? I mean, I, I don't I think guess, he believes yeah, it. I, I don't know. I think he's just trying to scare everyone. I want like you to need to it. oppose it. I want to believe it too. I want it to happen more it than it should anything. happen. Yeah. It should happen. Absolutely. Um, and you know, and we can go into that as well because it's really even a Roe versus Wade overturn is not as big a deal. It's a big deal, but it's not 
the end all be all. It doesn't end abortion, certainly in the world, but not even in the United States. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. But um, so that's that's one. Kavanaugh. I'm nervous about Kavanaugh. I'm also nervous about Hardiman. Hardiman finished in second last time. He was added uh, as a favor to the list, uh, reportedly uh, from Rick Santorum. Now, Rick Santorum conservative for people. Rick Santorum's pretty conservative, uh. although you know he's a guy. You know he's he's a, he's a different flavor of conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we've seen with his minimum wage policies and, you know, certain, you know, he sees himself as sort of a blue collar, you know, populist conservative, which is not my particular flavor. Uh, he doesn't like, you know, he's he's been mm-hmm. outspoken in, uh, against libertarians in the past. And on the court is where you really want libertarians, right? Like the court yep. is the place for libertarians. Uh, yep. Even if you don't want them as your, your your president or you don't want them as your senator, you want them in the court because they're going to they're going to look at the Constitution as written. Uh, and that may not be Hardiman. Hardiman is, uh, there is a, they, you know, they try to do these things. They're imperfect, I think. But when it comes to whether they're liberal or conservative, they have these ratings. And so the court as it stands right now, Sotomayor and Ginsburg way on the left, Breyer and Kagan, liberal, but not quite as liberal. Then Kennedy, who they have rated on the scale as to the left of center. Okay. So understand that like, that's, people are like, oh, they're replacing a conservative with another conservative. I mean, moderate is really a fair description probably of kennedy but he's not really all that conservative he was good on certain things then roberts then alito then gorsuch and then all the way to the right clarence thomas what you want is another clarence thomas of the 10 justices they they uh, are potential justices that they rated the closest to clarence thomas is mike lee most conservative out of that entire group the most liberal of the group that they rated was thomas hardiman Hardiman in between Kennedy and Roberts is where they have him rated ideologically. Mm. Um, and again, there's just no reason to uh, to, to risk mm-hmm. something like that. I, Hardiman might be okay, but there's no reason to risk him. Uh, again, you know, you have Hardiman was added as a favor. Now, uh, uh, Santorum is a good guy and a, and a conservative guy. It's not even but, in office. But he's not even in office. But he wanted, it was, this was when Trump was looking for his endorsement during the campaign. <clears throat> and this is when he was added to the list. Um, but okay, just because he's, it's a favor or someone else, that's not necessarily bad. It could be good, but that's also how we got Souter. Mm-hmm. John Sununu, hey, I know this guy in New Hampshire. He's fantastic. You're going to love him. And then we got the most liberal guy in the, in the Supreme Court almost. So that makes me nervous. He's also friends with Trump's sister, serves with Trump's sister on the court, which again, you could say, you could argue fairly, hey, he's got insight on who this person is. You know, extra insight. Maybe that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Makes me nervous when you have personal relationships having anything to do with stuff like this. Because you, you make, that's how you make mistakes. We've been burned many times before. Yeah, really have. Uh, and he also, you know, is on this list the furthest to the left. So, I mean, to me, I don't want Hardiman. The problem was he made it, he was in reportedly in second place to Gorsuch when they picked last time. He interviewed, they said, even better than Gorsuch. It was a great interview, very well prepared, um, and he is on the short list again here. He's listed uh, in the uh, story today in the top five. Uh, he's already been interviewed by Trump, and Trump went through four others. So those that's two of the, the top five, the two that I'm uh, nervous about. The other three uh, are Amy Coney Barrett, who you'll remember her from she when she was going through her last uh, um, advice and consent process, she was uh, attacked for her religion. By I uh, was Diane Feinstein, mm-hmm. who was basically like, oh yeah, the uh, the the uh, the uh, what was the word she used? the dogma 
Yeah. The dogma is strong with you. Lives loudly within you. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, what? What? And she is a member of like a church group and they're trying to make that look like it's a cult. Well, I mean, she's Catholic. Yeah. And then there's some <laughs> yeah. group that she's in that's, that's a Catholic group. It's a Catholic group. Um, and it's like a Catholic group of people who like pledge to each other to help each other throughout their lives. And, oh, that's and- <laughs> kookery. That's crazy. What a nut job. You can't have her on the court. Uh, but she, I mean, again, seemingly would be on the right side of Roe versus Wade with that background. Um, so that is something that is positive, possible, uh, is possibly a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Thapar, or what is it? Amul, Amul Thapar. There we go. Amul Thapar. The other, this is another one recommended highly is the pick of Mitch McConnell. This is who Mitch McConnell wants to get this gig. And he's been on the list. He's pretty conservative. He's uh, on the ideological rating scale is slightly to the right of Alito. Wow. Um, so that's seemingly a good pick. Yeah. Again, I get a little nervous when you have people recommending others. Yeah. It, it always makes me nervous, but I understand it. And then Kethledge, who is... Uh, equal to Gorsuch on this ideological list, which is pretty, pretty, pretty nice. So there's a, I mean, look, all of these justices are right of center. Mm-hmm. Why we would go more towards the center than the right? No reason there's to. There's no reason to here. You know what? We talked about this on the news and why it matters, which we are both on uh, every day here in the blaze. If you have, if you go in there and you put in the most, you put in Mike Lee, let's just say, they're not going to do this. I don't think, but let's say you put in Mike Lee. And Mike Lee goes through there, and he's been outspoken against Roe versus Wade, thinks it's a terrible decision, blah, blah, blah. And Murkowski and Collins come out and say, no, I'm not going to vote for them. First of all, you're going to have a great case to go to red state Democrats in that election and say, uh-huh. hey, hey, West Virginia, they, you know, we needed the vote for Manchin, and he wouldn't do it. You're going to have a great case to win all of those Senate seats that are in red states. Yep. Uh, I think you roll the dice with it. I do too. Because there's a good chance Republicans we expand just, their majority here in the Senate. Mm-hmm. That is set up perfectly for them to do so. If you have an outstanding Supreme Court seat, um, it's going to drive people to the polls like crazy. And I think you roll the dice with it, and then you put in <clears throat> a, the most conservative person you absolutely can. Uh, now, you don't necessarily have to have them outspoken, like Lee has been or maybe Pryor has been on, on, on Roe versus Wade. But you need to have someone who you're sure of. No, no, no playing here. Mm-hmm. No, no. Oh, well, let's pick someone who's never said anything about an issue. Let's not anger the liberals. Yeah, you don't need to do that here. Even if you lose Murkowski and mm. Collins, it's just so an what? argument to come back. You'll get probably get to 54 or 55 seats in the Senate, and then you'll be able to get whoever you want through. Uh, and if you if if they go along with it, if you get a, if you have another Gorsuch ready to go and you think they're that good, then do it. And it's great. But if you don't get it through, you could be patient with this one, I think. I'd rather I'd rather not pull the trigger on somebody like Hardiman who is really risky, and then at the end of the day, you're like, oh well, if we waited three months, you know, we could have had somebody better. You know, this is maybe the main issue for an awful lot of people uh, for in in voting for Donald Trump. Those who weren't mm-hmm. absolutely sold on him from the beginning usually came to the conclusion, well, the Supreme Court. He'll be good with. The, he'll be a lot better on the Supreme Court, and we've got some openings that are likely. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put Hillary Clinton there. I'm gonna vote for Trump because of the Supreme Court. How yep. many people did that? Lots. Many. So now here's the chance. Yeah. And here's your opportunity. Well. Seem to do well with pick one. You know, yep. you never know this. For I mean, Roberts looked great in the first year or two as well. So you you never know, but it looks great if he can pull Does. out another one like that. It's gonna be fantastic. That'd be great. 
727 back. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. 888-727-BECK. Looks like we avoided a 4th of July attack on downtown Cleveland, which is always a good thing. Uh, FBI said Demetrius Nathaniel Pitts, also known as Abdur Rahim Rafiq, is taken into custody on Sunday around 10 on accusations of attempting to provide material support to foreign terrorist organizations. Apparently, he was trying to figure out how to give toys with um, explosives in them to children of military uh, veterans. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they had all kinds of things planned for uh, downtown Cleveland. And fortunately, we dodged a bullet there. Uh, Frightening. Wow. Yeah, targets like St. John's Cathedral and giving remote control cars packed with explosives and shrapnel to the children of military members. Oh, my God. Can you imagine... Uh, actually, I mean, we saw this in the documentary Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, in which um, they that company, which, of course, I can't remember the name of the company. Right. Uh, oh, mm. Silver Shamrock, I think it was. And they uh-huh. uh, they gave Halloween masks to kids all around America. Right. And they you gathered, had to put them on while you watched. Right. And then you gather around the TV mm-hmm. and they had this, you know, the three more days to Halloween, Halloween, oh, Halloween. Don't, don't sing that otherwise. I, don't wanna, I, won't sing, I won't sing the full song because okay. then if you're yeah. wearing the mask, it will... Apparently, I don't know what it does exactly inside, but I know bugs crawl out your you eyes. And, yeah, it's worse than hypnotism. Well, it, cr- it crushes your skull, and then <laughs> bugs crawl out your eyes. <laughs> I don't know exactly where the bug where the bugs stored in the mask. Where did they come from? But the I, bugs I, I don't know. And snakes. Why were there snake? <clears throat> were there snakes in the rubber of the mask? I it don't never know seemed how it to happened. be fully explained. No, but I mean, I just know it was horrible. But I mean, that was legitimately. Like the plot, you give kids something mm-hmm. that they like, they hold on to it, they put it on their heads, and then it kills them. Yes. That is, uh, the fact that that's a potentially real-life scenario, slightly altered from Slight, Halloween 3, slightly. Season of the Witch. Yes. I'm glad they caught this guy. Jeez, oh that is... Oh my gosh, can you imagine? And when you get into that stuff, I mean, look, killing people for any reason. There's just a guy who who uh, was arrested for threatening to kill Ajit Pai, the FCC commissioner, over net neutrality. Now, look, you're, there's a lot of reasons to kill somebody. But net neutrality. Net neutra- your Netflix buffering is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I just, I, the amazing world we live in today. I know. I, I, you know, they, it's, I know, it's incredible. And here, like, there's a certain extra level deep in the bowels of hell for someone who would try no to get a about kid a, an exploding toy. No doubt about it. Wow. Wow. Really dodged a bullet there. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn, 888-727-BECK. We were talking about uh, potential Supreme Court nominees. Um, what is this group that Amy... The the two names that we're hearing most right now are, uh, ju- are Judge Kavanaugh and Judge Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett. They're both added in that last group, which makes sense the way and they picked last time. Has he talked to both of them? I think he has, he right? He's interviewed them yesterday. both of them already. Yes. And uh, also CBS is reporting that those are the final two. Now, now, she belongs to some scary, scary religious group. Yes, it's Catholic. Ca- uh, have you heard of this? Catholic? Catholic? Oh, sorry. Am I Catholic? mispronouncing that? Catholic? Catholic. I think it's Catholic. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar. It sounds really bad, though. Uh, no. Well, uh, so there's, she's, there's only like two billion of them around the world. That's it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's weird. It's this tiny little cult. fringe group. A cult. So, uh, so <laughs> she is a faithful Catholic. And she had an in- an issue with Diane Feinstein, 
where, you know, Diane is not apparently a fan of being a faithful Catholic, I guess. I don't, I don't know exactly what she's describing in this clip, mm. but it's become sort of a famous one because if you're a faithful person, you know, if you're going to be attacked like this, if this is an attack, then you're eliminating everybody of faith, basically. Yes. Everybody who actually lives their faith. And I don't think that's what the, I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing here. A litmus test to make sure you're not religious. <laughs> right? This legitimately seems to be what is being applied here. Uh, this is Diane Feinstein with Amy Coney Barrett. When you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. And hmm. that's of concern when huh? you come what? to big issues what? that large numbers of people have fought for for years in this country. What? Hmm. So that's a concern that you believe things strongly in your religion. What are you talking about? Is this the United States of America? I, I don't know. Do we take a wrong that. turn and wind up in a Soviet bloc nation? What do you mean that's a concern? Why? What, what, do you, what do you mean you're concerned about that? And, of course, what she means is we fought so hard for Roe v. Wade that we will not give it up come what may. Yes, absolutely. We, we are going to continue the slaughter of children. And uh, if you want to stop that, mm-hmm. I'm sorry you can't be a part of any judicial system. It is under, uh, we believe, and uh, we are under the impression that some Catholics mm-hmm. do not like Roe v. Wade. Um, <laughs> and they do not like abortion. And therefore... We do not want you on the court. <laughs> That's essentially what she's saying. It's here. exactly what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And she can't obviously state it that clearly, but that's exactly what she means. Now, she is also, I, it goes further than this, Pat. She is, mm. a, she is in a very deep cult, uh, as described by a lot of people on Twitter. Uh, but it does not seem like necessarily a cult to me. I would like to get your opinion on this. She this is, is the People of Praise group, right? Yes. She is a member of, of a mm. small tightly knit christian group called people of praise <laughs> i don't know why it just seems like you should say it in a scary way uh they uh they sw- the members of the group swear a lifelong oath of loyalty called a covenant to one another now i don't know what that i mean obviously like if you take this to you know the rajneeshis uh in you know uh, oregon you could find a way that a lifelong cult or a or a lifelong uh, pledge of oil loyalty or a covenant could be really scary, right? Like, and that's obviously how this is intended to read, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, when you listen to it, I mean, it's like, well, what what is it a covenant to do? Exactly. So let me. Current and former members say that the heads and handmaids—that's what they're called. So they have uh, they the covenant is to one another. They're assigned and accountable to a personal advisor called a head for men and a handmaid for women. The group teaches that husbands are the heads of their wives and should take authority over the family. Now, <gasps> this is how the New York Times also characterizes the Bible, right? So I don't, I don't know how you're, if you're going to be, if you're a religious person, why you'd be scared of this, because this is how they talk about these issues all the time. Mm-hmm. And they just make it seem like it's the worst thing that's ever been invented. Right. And when you talk, you know, maybe it's the, maybe this is a terrible group and it's, it's the boy who cried wolf because it's, they, anything that is religious, they make sound like this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't really mm-hmm. know by looking at this. 
says current and former members say that the heads and handmaids give direction on important decisions, including, including whom to date, whom to marry, where to live, whether to take a job or buy a home, and how to raise children. Now, that to me strikes to me as uh, the way the New York Times would write about a support group, a group of people who have uh, similar principles mm-hmm. and who realize that men and women are fallible right. and at times go off the road and you need someone to help bring you back to the correct road, mm-hmm. right? I know that that's in your church, right? You have people, who, you have a system, not exactly like that, but it's pretty similar from my understanding of it. Right, where like you, you know, Glenn has talked about how he's had people who are in troubled times that come over to the house, and he yep. he'll go visit them to try mm-hmm. to help them through mm-hmm. troubled times. Yes, right. Like that seems like a really rational thing for a church to be doing. Yeah. Uh, legal scholars say that such loyalty oaths could raise legitimate questions about judicial nominees' independence and impartiality. So the idea here is that Amy Coney Barrett is going to be like, I don't know what to do on Roe versus Wade. Let me go ask my handmaid. <laughs> And then the handmaid's going to be like, oh, you absolutely want that. <laughs> like, is that really yeah, the implication yeah, here? I guess. That's absolutely not going to be the case. <laughs> That's not going not. to happen. Uh, That's, this is ludicrous. Ludicrous. These groups can be so absorbing that it's difficult for a person to retain individual judgment, says Sarah Berenger Gordon, a professor of constitutional law and history, at the University of Pennsylvania. And an expert on the people of praise? Uh, absolutely. Okay, sure. Now, Let's you, hear what she says then. What Does she go in depth into the group? No. Or? Well, she says, I don't think it's discriminatory <laughs> or hostile to religion to want to learn more about a relationship with the group. Okay. All right. Miss Ms. Barrett, through a spokesperson at the New- Notre Dame Law School, where she is on faculty, declined several requests to be interviewed for this article. A leader of people of praise, Craig S. Lent, said... Right, his, his he changed name his name is, to Lent. His oh Lent. Gosh, I'm just going to assume. These people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, boy. Uh, he was joined by Bill Communion. Uh, <laughs> very, very and nervous David about. Easter. <laughs> uh, Craig Lent said that uh, the group was not nefarious or controversial, but its policy was not to confirm whether Ms. Barrett or anyone else was a member. Uh, Mr. Lent, whose uh, title overall coordinator, who has belonged to the group for nearly 40 years, said in interviews that the group was about building community and long-term relationships and that members have a wide spectrum of political views. We don't try to control people, said Ms. Mr. Lent. Again, a guy who who's so controlled he changed his name to Lent. Let's be honest about it. That's just not... No. Uh, wh- who is also a professor of electrical engineering and physics at Notre Dame. Sounds just like a whack, a jo- whack job. Yep. You know? Uh, yep. Uh, uh, there's never uh, any guarantee that the leader is always right. You have to discern and act in the Lord. He later added, if and when members hold political offices or judicial offices or administrative offices, we would certainly not tell them how to discharge their responsibilities. Again, it just seems like the type of thing that this is going to sound great to think progress, right? This argument is going to seem really compelling to raise money for media matters. You know, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to be able to make a big deal about this uh, when she's raising money for her campaign. But Mm -hmm. it's not real, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's an actual uh, legitimate point to be brought up. It's trying to scare people to think she's too religious and therefore can't be accepted. Right. And I, I'm sorry, it, what's the difference between that 
And and this from Nancy Pelosi. They ask me all the time, what is your favorite this? What is your favorite, favorite that? that? What is your favorite that? <laughs> and when at one time, what is your favorite word? word. And I said, my favorite that's, word, that is easy. really easy. It's easy. My favorite word is the word. The word. Mm-hmm. The word. Is the word. Is the word. Is the word. And that that's two is words. everything. It's, it's it everything. It says it all. It says it us. all. And, and, and you know the biblical reference. You know, you know the gospel reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. The word. The word. And uh, the that. Word. That. Is word word, word. is uh, is we have to give voice have to, give to voice. what that means in terms of in terms uh, of public policy that would be in uh, keeping with the- oh! in terms of public policy. What kind of crazy nut job <laughs> wackiness was that? Wait, the word gives voice to your public policy. Can you imagine if uh, 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 one nobody, of these Supreme Court justices nobody had, had any this? trouble with that? No. Are you you're telling me you you make laws based on the word? Yeah, well, well, I, we I be- hope so. I wish you did because you're. I I know that you're ignoring the word well, when you make public policy. If you're Nancy Pelosi, right. I wish they would listen to the word. P- but that, nobody was scared of that. No, and I, part of the reason why no one was scared of that is no one believes that she True. actually thinks it. True, like <laughs> no one believes she does that at all. I mean, I love how the whole point of her is to say that it's the word and to give voice to the word, but she won't actually say the word. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's look. It's true. She, you know, this is her. You know, Nancy Pelosi is famous for this, right? Yeah. She she acts mega religious in certain moments, but then it when never she's seen, with religious people, when we, she's with, and she's pandering mm-hmm. to them. That's what she says when it's time to get donations. Yep. Uh, from a religious group, she yep. sounds like that. Yep. But she doesn't act like that. Not at all. And that's what they're comfortable with. That's actually what the left likes. Hey, you don't want to come out and you want to give a little voice to faith and stuff so we can suck in some of those people? Great. You bet. As long as you don't vote like that, fine. Mm-hmm. And it's the and they get scared as of the opposite. As long as you want to pander, right. mm-hmm. as long as it's just pandering, we're completely comfortable exactly. with it. Exactly. But if you mean it, we don't want anything to do with you. And this is reflected in their view of the fo- founders as well. I mean, yeah, their, their argument when we bring out a David Barton document, you know, David's dug up some letter that George Washington wrote and it's all faithful and and it sounds so religious. What's the re- Oh, well, that was just their public face. They just said those things because they knew the people were religious. They weren't really religious. That, that had nothing to do with this. Most of them were secularists. Most of them were <laughs> deists, deists at, the, at the most. Uh-huh. And it's like their idea is politicians lie and they were playing this religious face to the people. Mm, it reveals a lot what about they what do. they are doing. Yeah. That's what they are doing. Yep. You know, it's, it's what many politicians have done throughout history. It, it is a common practice to f- essentially fake your faith to win over the people and then vote however you want. So that's very familiar to the left. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're applying that. There's nothing wrong with having uh, faith. In fact, it's very common here in our history. Our, our society was built on the idea that faithful people would, could make public decisions. Absolutely. Based on a central, uh, not only their own personal opinion, because that's not what this is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about, can you analyze the Constitution and stick to it? That's what it's supposed to be about, period. And there's no reason mm-hmm. here, uh, someone wrote in and said, well, we, don't, we, don't wanna, we, we need Carson Wentz, not Ryan Leaf. It's a first-round draft pick. But you, you gotta, your first overall pick, mm-hmm. pick the person who you think is going to be best. Don't try to massage it. Don't try to pick you know, someone who you think might pass muster with some liberals. Pick the most conservative person you have that... and. Conservative is not even the right way to say it. The, the constitutionalist. That's what you need here. 
Um, and, you know, look, a lot of people are defending Kavanaugh, which is one of the people we brought up with that could be a risk. Ben Shapiro kind of said, I'm, I'm worried about this. Uh, a couple of other healthcare experts did not like the way he looked at Obamacare. However, overall, he looks pretty solid. Uh, Ed Whelan at uh, National Review has been one of his defenders, and he's a pretty smart guy, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not it, it's not universal. I just feel like I'm just running away from risk here. Yeah, I'm risk averse. With anybody, this pick. anybody, anybody who looks like they could go the other way, you should run from mm-hmm. because we've learned from Souter and Sandra Day O'Connor and Anthony Kennedy. We've been down that road a million times. Yeah, and we then, don't need to go down that road again. I mean, look at this. The reason why Roe versus Wade was not overturned is because Ronald freaking Reagan missed. Right. That's how hard this is to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is a big statement. This is not, yeah. people are like, oh, well, you know what? You don't think Trump can pick another justice? It's hard. It's really hard. I mean, you know, Bush probably went, I would say, one for two. You know, it looks mm-hmm. like Gorsuch is a, is a home run so far, but we don't know. It's not long enough to really tell. But I mean, can it, Reagan went one for two, right? Yes. Or well, he actually had more than that. Over we had O'Connor. Yep. And O'Connor, he missed with. Kennedy, he, Kennedy Kennedy missed with. Missed with. Right. Okay. And, and, Thomas was Bush, right? Was Thomas Bush? Thomas was Bush. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is hard to do. Yeah. It's not a criticism of the president or this process or anything. If you have any element of risk whatsoever, eliminate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't miss with this one. Because even Reagan missed. It, twice. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck. Pat and Stu for Glenn. Triple eight seven two seven, B E C K. There are some things you should be concerned about in a Supreme Court justice. Okay, uh, let me share one of those with you. You should certainly be aided by all the Ruth Bader Ginsburg constitution writing that has gone on aided since uh-huh. the end of World War Two. Yeah, Wait. we should be helped by the constitution writing since World War Two. I would not look to the U.S. Constitution if I were drafting a constitution no, in the right. year two thousand twelve. Right, because it's such well, an old document. Right, so, I might look at the Constitution mm-hmm. of South Africa. Right. That was a, a deliberate Obviously. attempt. A deliberate to event. have a fundamental instrument of government that embraced uh-huh. mm-hmm. basic human rights. Sure. Had an independent judiciary. Yeah. It, it, it uh, really we don't is, have that. I think a, or wait, we do, a great uh, piece of work that was done. Um, much more recently than the U.S. Constitution, the uh-huh. Canada. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. As a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh-huh. Oh and that was from 1982. Oh, so wow. those are way better than ours. What? That's what you should avoid in a Supreme Court justice. Somebody who doesn't even care about our Constitution. Wow. How about that? Glenn Beck. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, 888-727-BECK. We've been kicking around the uh, Supreme Court nominee a little bit today and kind of going over... Whether or not uh, religion should be a litmus test against nominating a Supreme Court justice seems somewhat unconstitutional. Um, But that's what they're doing kind of right now to Amy Coney Barrett. She belongs to a religious group. And, uh, well, she's Catholic. But then there's some subsection within the religion. She belongs to something called People of Praise, which I'm not that familiar with. But they make covenants with each other. Oh, no, that's a scary word. For for progressives, you've made a covenant. Oh, okay. So that means you're going to have to call that person and get their advice on all your Supreme Court decisions. No, that's not that's not what that means. Is there anything really concerning in it all, though? Have you well, seen anything that 
we know one thing that's is concerning scary. is one of the heads of the entire organization changed his name to Lent. Lent, uh, right. Craig S. Lent. And I, I don't have any information to back that claim up. No, and but, we don't know if he changed his name or that was oh, his no. given name. Right. We have, no, we, in we, fact, we I, don't would, know. I would assume it's probably his given name, but I, I think to make this scary... We have to say he changed his name, his name was to like Lent. Craig Smith, mm-hmm. and he joined this group, and they made him change his name to Craig Lent. Or he's such a fanatic, he did it on his own volition. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but that's, he, even, you know, that's well, almost as scary. If he acts independently, though, then it's not a cult. So it oh, has right. to be somebody told him right. to do this, um, <laughs> along with his assistants, uh, Bill Easter, Bill Easter. <laughs> Terry Communion <laughs> and Jim Prayer. <laughs> so uh, here's a so I don't, that may be the whole leadership of the group. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, current and former members of People of Praise. I, I would like to, if there's anyone in the audience who happens to belong to this or know someone who belongs to it or know anything about the group. I really don't know other than the New York Times is trying to scare me into thinking it's mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, current and former members of People of Praise said that Ms. Barrett and her husband, who have seven children... That's oh, there's kids. another tip-off that she's kids. evil. How, how, seven children? How many times did Craig Lent tell her to have a kid? That's what I want to know. Seven? Uh, probably seven, because that she can't act independently, <laughs> apparently. Uh, they both belong to the group. They, uh, their fathers had served as leaders. Um, it was The group is founded in 1971, claims about 1,800 adult members in 22 locations in North America and the Caribbean. So a pretty small group, relatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, group believes in prophecy, speaking in tongue, and divine healings, staples of Pentecostal churches that some Catholics have adopted in a movement called Charismatic Renewal. Hmm. People of Praise were, was an early leader in the flowering of that movement in North America. 90% of, it mem- of its members are Catholic. Uh, to fulfill the group's communitarian vision, unmarried members are sometimes placed to live in homes with married couples and their children, and members often look to buy or rent Homes near other members. No. No. You're just controlling their real estate choices now. Yep. Okay, cross first, her up. Named, hey, first Lent. Just name the guy Lent. Now? <laughs> You're just putting him on Zillow? Just, uh, where It's got to be within a radius of other people's houses? That's almost like a community. It sounds like a community. Cross her off the list. I say cross her off the list. Mm-hmm. She's clearly a kook. Some former members criticized the group from deviating from Catholic doctrine, which does not teach male headship. In contrast to some evangelical churches, the personal advisors can be too controlling, the critics say. They may betray confidences, and too often they supplant the role of priest. There you go. So, I mean, basically, we can tell here that this is is way off the list. So, So is that scarier? Than this from Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I can't speak about what the Egyptian experience should be. On uh, doing their new constitution, this mm-hmm. was 2012-ish, when uh, when they had the revolution there and, and they were talking about putting together the constitution. So she was asked about that. Because I'm operating uh-huh. under a rather old constitution. Old, right, yeah. The United old. States, in comparison to Egypt, mm-hmm. is a very new nation yeah but and but yet we have the old the oldest oldest written constitution still in force in the world Amen. which is obviously a bad thing uh, <laughs> that it's lasted this long and yeah. it's been this durable seems like maybe they got um, it right 
Man, that is such a revealing. Is that amazing? Because she's not even like her when she's in the court, right? She's speaking Mm -hmm. on behalf of the court. Mm -hmm. She comes up with ridiculous justifications to say all decisions are constitutional. So they always do. The left, the left doesn't come out and say, you know what? We don't think that it's in this is in the Constitution, but this is what we think it should be. I mean, occasionally they hint at those things in their decisions, mm-hmm. but this is her telling you. I don't believe in the Constitution. No, it sucks. Why would yeah. this is not the right way to go? We need to play this. We started playing this, but we didn't have time to finish it. Listen to what she was saying when uh, they were asking her uh, about the Constitution and and giving advice to other countries on on their Constitution. You should certainly be aided by all the constitution writing that has gone on since the end of world war ii in her in her supreme court decisions that's right this this was in this was a 2012 interview and they were asking her uh about how she bases her what she bases her decisions on so she should be aided by all the constitutions that have been written um since world war ii wait what no absolutely not I, i mean that is the exact opposite. You shouldn't be influenced by anybody else's constitution. There, It doesn't matter at all. No. Completely unrelated. In fact, I would say restricted. You yes. You're not allowed to look at them. Right. I would not look to the U.S. Constitution if I were drafting wow. a constitution in, in the year 2012. Mm. I might look at the Constitution of South Africa. That was a, a deliberate <laughs> That's where attempt. I'd go to. It's to have a fundamental... Well, I don't know if you know this, uh, Pat, but South Africa has mm. been a shining example... Of, of liberty. Of liberty throughout Forever. the days. Right? Uh, yes. <laughs> we all long to someday figure it out the way South Africa has. <laughs> well, if only. I, I don't if think only. we'll ever get there. Stu, because uh, it's, uh, it's something we can only aspire to, we can yeah. never achieve. It's the, har- it's the eternal <laughs> harmony of South Africa. <laughs> I mean, what a ludicrous, <laughs> so it's just ridiculous. Embraced yeah. basic human rights. Basic human rights. Had an independent judiciary. It's It, it really is, uh, uh-huh. I think. What a, a concept. A great Wait, an independent judiciary? Who's ever heard of that? <laughs> Where do you think these people are getting the ideas? From us. us. From us. Mm-hmm. A piece of work that was done. Oh, man. Uh, much more recently than the U.S. Constitution, the Canada, uh, Canada, mm-hmm. sure, has a charter sure. of rights and freedoms. <laughs> right. Dates from 1982. Oh wow! First of all, that's a good year, Pat. That was a really good year. Really good it year. was a good year for wine. It was a good year for constitutions. Gremlins? Did Gremlins come out around 1982? That's close. You want to make sure uh, it might well, be even more recent for Gremlins. Though. Really? I think it was 84. Oh wow! Okay, but I'm not positive. See that? Well, that's the thing. Maybe we should learn from Gremlins. And that <laughs> why not? Why 1982? That's old. <laughs> What about a, a new constitution every Wednesday? What about that? <laughs> I think it's I'm, Constitution Wednesday. It's every Wednesday. Tweet you us your ideas for a new amendment. <laughs> every Wednesday, we all tune in together yeah. and see what the law of the land is. I like it. I like what, it a lot. What is the limiting principle? Well, I want to know. You go on there. Mm-hmm. Every maybe we just tweet it out line by line. Yeah. Well, Everyone gathers Iceland around did that. We should we should learn a lesson from Iceland. Back in, what was it, 2010 or 12, 14, somewhere in there, when they were doing a new, they wanted ideas tweeted to them. And I think we should do the same thing. And I think you're right. I think it should be every Wednesday. Just pick a day 
and start tweeting as constitutional ideas, and we'll just put them into a new constitution. Finally, get rid of this old dusty piece of crap we have. Just set fire to it. Why? It's so old. But you oh. know what? The best thing about it is, uh, it it's so old. It's incredibly flammable, so it would light up right away. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you wouldn't even need lighter fluid. Very dried up parchment. Right? <laughs> so it'll burn fast. Yeah. Look at the European Convention on Human Rights. Right. So, Look at that. Yes. Why not take advantage? Why not? Of what there is elsewhere in yeah. the world. Because you're not supposed to. Um, because that has nothing to do with your d- judicial decision here based on our constitution. I mean, so that shows you there's somebody who doesn't even believe in our constitution that's sitting on the U.S. Supreme Court right now. Yeah. But, it, you know, they don't have any problem with that. No, not at all. They have a problem with Amy Coney Barrett because mm-hmm. she's religious. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also famous for uh, continually falling asleep in the middle of uh, <laughs> of her job. Which is interesting because mm-hmm. she's one of the few people you actually, it's actually better if she's asleep. Like <laughs> <Yes>. I ra- <laughs> I would much rather have her just kind of sleep through all of this and maybe not even vote. At the Definitely end, just kind of just, just kind of sleep through it. Uh, Ruth, what do you want to, oh, she's, she's out. Yeah. Okay. She's uh, asleep. Shh, everybody talk about this quietly. <laughs> <laughs> soothing tones, guys. <laughs> soothing tones. Look, she's 85 years old. And, uh-huh. you know, I, we talk about this a lot. And I think social media has ruined this in some way. I would rather have a Ruth Bader Ginsburg admitting things like that. I'd rather have her be honest rather than what she does in the court, which is lie and act as if she cares about the Constitution. Be honest like she just was there. Mm -hmm. You know what? Come out and admit it. And I think because people get beat up so, so badly from social media when they tweet their real opinions, people now hold them in and hide them. I'd rather know who people are. I'd rather know. Yeah, you know, they always, you know, we we wind up trying to fire every comedian who makes a joke that's off color, or uh, every politician who makes a comment that that doesn't work. I, I'd rather have, I'd rather I too. just judge it on its merit, mm. vote yeah. them out when it comes time. Don't watch their show if you don't like it, whatever the case may be. Well, how many times have we said, at least we respect Bernie Sanders because he admits it; he's a socialist. I respect this uh, millennial in. The Bronx, because she admits it. She's a democratic socialist. Yeah. You've got too many Democrats right now who are trying to pretend like they're actual Democrats when they're actually socialists. Most of the party has become so left-wing that there's no difference between them and socialists oh. or communists. There's no difference. And it's about to get a lot worse. Yeah. You know, when you see these high-profile kind of glamorous cases like Ocasio-Cortez in, in New York, where you're getting a democratic socialist that admitted one who comes out and says, hey... This is what I'm doing. I want free, guaranteed jobs, free college, all the nonsense that goes along with the democratic socialist platform that is completely unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And you have that not only winning, but a a media glorified win, right? They're coming to her aid and saying, what an amazing thing this is. And as that happens, the praise will go to people like Bernie Sanders and, and people who supported Bernie. And you will have a... A, a Democratic Party that will be even unfamiliar to the one that elected Barack Obama. I, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's we're we're going to find a place. You know, I mean, Barack Obama was, I think, in many ways, uh, further, much further left than he led on in a normal everyday way. No doubt about it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But he he at least was trying to hide it. Now you're going to get to that point where 
they're coming out and just unmasking, as Glenn has said for many years. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be – when that is the – the only way you can win a primary is to be a socialist. That Pretty is going to be – that's going to be an interesting world. But I'd and I think we're almost argument, there with said. the Democrats. Yeah. We're there. 888-727-BECK. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Stu. Another ominous record-breaking heat temperature has been set oh no or in the words of more like al gore another ominous record have been set <laughs> the city of curiat oman hit an overnight low of 108.7 degrees <laughs> on tuesday likely the highest minimum daily temperature recorded on earth <laughs> and that's ominous because mm-hmm. i don't know we didn't have any records before now there were no records. There were no records. It never happened. Mm-hmm. Everything was the same until now. And now we're starting to set records uh, all well, the time. You know what they say. Records were made to be insurmountable. That's what re- That's what the... Uh, that is what they say, yeah. isn't it? Records were made to be insurmountable and never and yet, be broken. It's been surmounted. And Which so, shows Al Gore was right. He was right. Time. By the way, his last movie um, pretty much bombed, didn't it? It did. Remember? Well, there was a yeah, big buildup to... Made- Three million dollars or something in that's sad. the United States. That's sad. People didn't watch want to watch Al talk about graphs anymore. I wonder if it had anything to do with the first time he did it. It was mostly bogus. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that, that doesn't make that does not consistent with the le, the liberals that I know that they would be like, oh well, it wasn't true last time. I don't trust him this time. That's not consistent with many on the left that I've. I've run into. Over so, what the do years. you think it was? Are we just not? They're just not interested in climate change anymore. Yeah, I think I, I, I think that's part of it. It seems like such a. It's 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 not the marquee attention point right now, right? Donald Trump is. Yep. Right. The the, yep. the the thing that's exciting them right now is opposition to Donald Trump, not you know 0.9 degrees over a century. The resistance well, and like it shows how dumb the claim is, right? We've, we've talked about this for a long time. You know, even if you believe everything that Dal Gore says, there's a lot of time and a lot of decisions and a lot of things that could happen. For example, massive scientific advancement, right? Where, like, there's no reason to believe that Elon Musk in five years doesn't come up with some solar panel that solves all of these problems in a minute. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, that, it's just so ridiculous to think that mm-hmm. now is the time to... to restrict economies by multiple trillions of dollars globally to try to stop 0.9 degrees over a century um, and a little bit more after that and so they it's just not it doesn't have any intensity to it right like i think there was a time where they tried every maximum maximalist claim to make it seem like the worst thing was happening right now and it just doesn't it doesn't prove out right yeah and and they have to continually hype up the hysteria around this to keep people's interest. Like <clears throat> we were talking yesterday about the uh, on on my show on Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio TV network, which you can listen to immediately following this show, um, or check it out anytime um, on podcast and just download it. You should listen to it whenever you please. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were we were talking about the uh, the Pacific Ocean garbage patch. Have you heard about I that? I have heard a little bit about it. Okay. It is, <clears throat> it is, is it real? Double the size of Texas. 
two times the size of Texas. Uh-huh. That's pretty freaking big. It's bigger than Alaska. And it's out there it's somewhere in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> it's this big and they don't know where it is? And No. Uh, well, they know approximately where it is, but strangely, there is no photo of it. You can't find an image of the garbage patch. This does not seem real. So I started looking on the internet uh, for the for for an image. I wanted to see if anybody had one. And you know, you can find garbage in waterways in Singapore or whatever, but you can't find this size of Texas or Alaska uh, garbage patch in in the Pacific Ocean. You just can't find it because it doesn't exist. And I finally found an article on Slate uh, that said um, that the garbage patch is uh, not real. I mean, they they admitted it. It's it's uh, mostly in people's minds, and it was made up. I wish I could find the exact quote. I got to find this because it's it's amazing. So basically, they're saying they're they, it was say- made up to hype up uh, global warming and climate change. And catastrophe because the oceans weren't clean enough, and so we had to. They had to hype up how dirty it is, and so wow. in order to get people interested, they lied about how nasty this problem is, and they just made it up. And people continued to report it. And he said the story got bigger as it went. First of all, it was three million tons of garbage. Then it was the size of Texas. Then it was double the size of Texas. Then it was the size of a continent. I mean, real. It's a. It's pretty amazing. I'll have to try to find the article. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So, are they just saying that, like, essentially, if you added up all the trash in the ocean and you put it next to each other, it would be the size of Texas? Is that kind of the the scam? Uh, I don't think it's even. (laughs) It's not even that that big a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. So a few years ago, Glenn and Tanya started a company called realestateagentsitrust.com. Why did they do that? Well, they did it because they were having a real frustration trying to sell their house. And you might think, oh, Glenn must have been a nightmare to be around when he was whining about his house every day. And I will say, yes, he was. (laughs) I was there. It was not fun. So I'm glad he started realestateagentsitrust.com. And I think you'll be too, because if you're trying to sell your house fast and for the most money, or if you're looking to buy realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. They've got over 1,200 agents all over America that are rigorously qualified by Glenn's team. Experience, marketing plans, character, and the results they get are the barometers they use to find the best agents in America. And then they don't let anybody else sign up. So you have the best agents in your area available. All the work is done for you at realestateagentsitrust.com. realestateagentsitrust.com, it's the place to go to make sure the biggest investment you'll ever make goes smoothly let these agents earn your business get moving with realestateagentsitrust.com it's pat and stu for glenn triple eight seven two seven back we were talking about uh al gore and his hysteria over the fact that they had the record high low temperature set on earth the other night in uh the record high low yes Mm mm-hmm it's it's never been hotter at night than it was the other night in the Middle East. 108 degrees, 108.7. That's that's pretty warm at night. Yeah, it's it'll, it's a you wouldn't want to keep the windows open. Per no, se. Probably not. No, you wouldn't get an awful lot of relief from that. So it it led us into uh, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is yeah, just 
an incredible shame. Because this has been making the rounds lately. For it some has. Reason. Again, I, yeah. Why is that? Do you know? It was invented a long time ago, and now for some reason it's resurfaced. And I, I don't really know why, but you're right. I, there might be a, an email floating around. A lot of times that's what prompts some of these things. Mm-hmm. So w- we got to talking about this yesterday and just looked in. I, I just believed it. I just believed that, okay, there's you know a garbage patch twice the size of Texas in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I don't know why I believed it. I yeah. just accepted it uh, and shouldn't have. Found this article in Slate that uh, is from September of 2016. There is no island of trash in the Pacific, hmm. but the cause of clean oceans needed a good story and our warming plant could use another one. I love it when they just admit, yeah, we make these things up to create the hysteria so people will listen to us. I mean, Gore has always kind of admitted that, to, or at least he used to. Mm -hmm. He used to say that you have to kind of exaggerate things to get people to move. What would you say? It's kind of like uh, to capture the public imagination, we have to offer up some scary scenarios, make simplified, dramatic statements, and little mention of any doubts one might have. Each of us has to decide the right balance between being effective and being honest. End quote. That's from From Steven Schneider, uh, who is a... UN IPCC report author. This is a guy in the UN IPCC is the thing that Gore talks about all the time. It's like the big UN climate report mm-hmm. they do every few years. That is like, to me, the fundamental mission statement of environmentalism. Let me give it to you one more time. To capture the public imagination, we have to offer up some scary scenarios, make simplified, dramatic statements, and little mention of any doubts one might have. Each of us has to decide the right balance of being effective and being honest. I mean, that is the most crystal clear, most honest thing yeah. you've ever heard from an environmentalist. Yeah. And that was made in 1989 by Steven Schneider, who wound up to become a, um, he was a Stanford, I believe, uh, and he was a, wound up being a, a UN IPCC author, as I mentioned, was a lead environmentalist until he died in 2010. He made that statement long before we had Al Gore-esque debates. He just, I, he, this is basically the environmentalist constitution. It's that, that is exactly how, because it's not as if every one of their claims has no evidence as this garbage patch does. Like, for example, the garbage patch is a good example of it. Garbage patch, is there trash in the ocean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there more than we'd like? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there one that's twice the size of Texas? Not no. even close. No. And is it a real problem? I mean, it's highly debatable as as to whether it's an actual real problem. I mean, this is a mass. It's a lot of water out there. Yeah. Uh, and so you, won't, you don't want any trash in there. We'd like to clean it up. There are problems associated with it, but it's not this mega disaster that they try to make it out to be. So to, to, capture, to capture the public imagination, they made scary scenarios and simplified dramatic statements. There's a giant <laughs> two times the size of Texas floating in the middle of the ocean somewhere in the Pacific, uh-huh. right? Yeah, that's how bad things are. I mean, I was kind of convinced that I thought, well, okay, that how did it all end up in one place? I guess right. the, the, the current? ocean current. Right. Because you could see that if you've ever <clears throat> looked, been in a lake, right, mm-hmm. where maybe, you know, there's like party boats that go out in the lake and people occasionally throw cans off the side. You'll see them collect in one area of the lake sometimes. You know what I mean? Something like that where like the the, the, the current or the, the motion of the boats, they create a little some waves and they push all the garbage into kind of one area. Everybody's seen that. 
So yeah. in your mind, you're thinking, well, maybe that happens in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> it's just a giant. Like, what, do people have to route around it? I mean, imagine <laughs> as you're going towards the giant <laughs> no! two times the size of Texas garbage barge in the middle uh, of the Pacific. That's a lot of garbage. A lot of extra time and to, that, to, to reverse it. That would make for quite a photo. And to think that there isn't one yeah. on the internet that you can find is pretty amazing. It's a good example, too, of how technology has solved a lot of these problems because there would be a photo. Yeah, you have there a would. drone even there have to over be. there. A satellite. Right. Yeah, a some satellite, kind of photo. Something. A plane. You, you take a snap of that from somewhere uh, and you wouldn't be able to get it all in one photo, but still, I mean, maybe from a satellite you could. Mm. Um, but to, to, to when you go and search for the images and you can't find any... Um, that should tell you something, and it does. And that's why I was so surprised to find this honesty in Slate. Uh, the author writes, but the Great Pacific Garbage Patch has always been less substantial than it sounds, less an island in the ocean than a big idea that floats around inside our heads. Mm-hmm. It's a throwback to the time when environmental threats were made of solid things, empty bottles, fishing nets, nuclear waste, canisters of slime that could be gathered up and buried or incinerated. In a way, that's the very problem with the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. That's the problem it helped to solve when the when the concept was invented. Like its mirror image, the hole in the ozone layer. Wait, what? Like it That's I like that. Like its oh. mirror image, hmm. the hole in the ozone layer, which he's admitting also kind of didn't exist. It's amazing. It's not a. Uh, it's crazy. And I, I, I was a kid in that era. When was that? That was the eighties, right? Yeah. When they were talking about that. Yeah. And I remember and that was a big deal for a while. It was just real. We were all going to burn up with cancer. Yeah. Because of the hole in the ozone layer, and then it fixed itself, and then another hole appeared, and it fixed itself. Well, the Montreal Protocol, and, of course, was uh, <laughs> was important. <laughs> Montreal in Protocol, uh, but still, yeah, I mean, it's like, when we stopped using canisters of. You know, this is this is what it's so frustrating about these environmental debates, mm-hmm. though. They act as if you know, it's one of those things. Is like, well, uh, I you know, it's like it's like going to someone and saying, "Hey, I you know, I just saw what you ate, and if you keep doing that, and you know, that's gonna you're gonna be 500 pounds." Well, it's Thanksgiving. Like I I, I mm-hmm. eat that way on Thanksgiving, then I don't eat that way other days. So when you realize if there's a major problem, which has happened at times, I mean, go back and look at like Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, in, in history when it was just a giant cloud of smoke over times when civ- uh, civilizations become more advanced and most importantly, more wealthy, they start caring about things like environmentalism. You don't care about it. We, you know, who doesn't care about those things are people who can't eat. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's when you get to a point mm-hmm. where you it becomes a luxury problem. Yeah, and you, you have care enough food, about it, so now you can focus on something on else. Something else, and and those some of those things are really important, but they're not imminent all the time, and that, that's why they have to use the, the the phrasing we talked about: scary scenarios. Make it seem simple. Don't act as if we have any doubt, because then people won't jump on board. That's why they always call it settled science. Mm-hmm. It's a settled debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's consensus when there's nothing like consensus. Mm-hmm. We, we just uh, had a list of. I don't know, 36,000 or something scientists who are not on board with it, at least not on board with catastrophic man-caused climate change. Mm-hmm. Many of them believe that the the earth has warmed somewhat. Mm-hmm. The question is, why? And 
And is that just part of the normal process of the planet? And of course it is, because it happens all the time. Yeah, and there's multiple levels to the whole claim. And this is why they try to generalize it all. You don't believe, if you don't agree with Al Gore, you're a science denier. Yeah. But the Al Gore position, and anyone on the left's position here, uh, is multifaceted. It's not just, has the earth warmed? It, is the earth warmed, and is it caused not? Is it caused by man? Not only is it caused by man, but is it almost entirely caused by man? And not only is it entirely caused by man, but will it run out of control and become a catastrophic situation? Mm-hmm. And not only does it run out of control and be a catastrophic situation, but do you agree with these policies to stop it, which is large amounts of government control? And the answer to all those questions has to be yes, or you're all a climate devi- denier. All of them. You can't just, yeah. like, like let's just say you're Elon Musk. Okay, I'm throwing this out here because he is very much on the global warming bandwagon. But let's say you're Elon Musk, and he goes down the bandwagon. He believes, yes, it's warmed. Yes, it's man-made. Yes, it's entirely man-made. Yes, it's catastrophic. But the way we're going to solve that is I'm going to create a solar panel company, and I'm going to change the world with innovation. That's a global warming denier position if he were to believe it. He also believes in government intervention, (laughs) so he's okay. But if he just believed, if he was a Koch brother, and he said, you know what? I'm going to create a company that's going to solve this without one dime of government funding or or government regulation. Don't change regulations. Mm. Don't do this. Let me solve it. That person would be a denier. He'd be out for profit. He'd be mm-hmm. an enemy of the state because this is all about government control. It's not about the environment. Uh, it, it isn't. Uh, and, of course, there are some crazy people who go really far on these things. I was just going back as I was finding that mm-hmm. uh, environmental constitution that we just kind of went over from Stephen Schneider about making false claims. Yeah. Uh, I found that in an inconvenient book, one of Glenn's first, uh, I think it was his first number one bestseller. And in there are a bunch of great quotes. There's a section called environmentalists say the darndest things. And that's one the one quote I read a minute ago is one of them. But listen to some of these. This is so classic. Dave Foreman, the founder of Earth First, said, Phasing out the human race will solve every problem on Earth, social and environmental. <laughs> it does create one additional problem I can think of, which is no one's there to enjoy the paradise. Uh, Jacques Chirac, remember him? President of France. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he was talking about the Kyoto Protocol, which was the first thing, you know, that was supposed to, you know, be uh, the way that we stopped global warming, which that didn't we didn't stop. sign on to. We didn't sign on to. Al Gore. Thank goodness. Didn't. The, the Senate voted it down like 98 to nothing. But uh, he said Kyoto is the first component of an authentic global governance. Wow. Wow. How about um, this is a, a classic. Paul Ehrlich who is one of my favorites. Uh, I would take e- this. He said this in 1969. Ehrlich was maybe really, one of the worst. He was really one of the worst. Yeah. But one of the most famous and uh-huh. was embraced by the environmental movement. Very successful, very respected, mm-hmm. except by those who pay attention to what he said then and what, and what happened. Because this, this is not some crazy person. This is someone who is a well-respected scientist and embraced by environmentalists. He said in 1969, I would take even money that England will not exist in the year 2000. <laughs> That's a solid one. And of uh, course, I've missed England for it, all these last 18 years. It's been you? rough yeah, without it's it. it's been tough. Mm-hmm. It's been tough. I mean, look at Brexit. It's showing that this is real. <laughs> uh, it, it's actually, England seems to be coming back to life and taking its own independence. In kind of, ways. yeah. Um, how about in, uh, in 10 years, all important animal life, all important animal life in the sea will be extinct. He said this in 1970, by the way. Uh, large areas of coastline will have yeah, to be evacuated. Yeah, but if he would have said that this year, I'd really be scared. Yeah. 
Of course, he's, I don't think he's alive anymore. I don't think he is alive anymore. Large areas of coastline will have to be evacuated because of the stench of dead fish. <laughs> <laughs> he said that in 1970. Uh, 1978. Again, think of the motivation behind this. What do we want with energy? We want people to be able to do what they want to do. Air conditioning, all the amenities of mm-hmm. life, not just for pleasure, but also for survival and civilization. He said, giving society cheap, abundant energy would be the equivalent of giving an idiot child a machine gun. Said that in 1978. Unbelievable. Again, well respected. Yeah. Not oh, yeah. just some lunatic. And wrong on everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. Uh, Prince Philip. Uh, from the World Wildlife Federation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were reincarnated, I would wish to be returned to Earth as a killer virus to lower human population levels. These are quotes. I mean, jeez. George uh, Monabot. Uh, Monbiot. I can never think of his house, but pronounce his last name. Uh, he was the environmental author. In 2006, said, Every time someone dies as a result of floods in Bangladesh, an airline executive should be dragged out of his office and drowned. I mean, these people. Wow. Uh, Helen Caldicott from the Union of Concerned Scientists. Union of Concerned okay. Scientists is a great group because they will constantly, they're the ones that get these nice high-profile articles. The yeah. release like, uh, did you know that having one diet soda every 16 years will kill everyone in your family? <laughs> they're those people. Everything is going to kill you. Every, every, you know, anytime a company does something, you're going to die. And here is the motivation behind it. Quote, free enterprise really means rich people getting richer. They have the freedom to exploit and psychologically rape their fellow human beings in the process. Capitalism is destroying the earth. Again, it's not Jeez. its not just about the environment. It's about destroying capitalism. Yeah, because ca- the, the green movement is the new communism. Mm-hmm. It just is. And uh, some of them even admit that. Yeah. And this one is the most, uh, in some ways, the worst. This is from Michael Oppenheimer, Environmental Defense Fund. The only hope for the world is to make sure that there is not another United States. We can't let countries that have have the same amount of cars, same amount of industrialization that we have in the U.S., we have to stop these third world countries right where they are. I mean, what a what a racist. Yeah. I mean, think about that. These are people who are trying to live. That's true. Racism right there. Yeah, that's amazing. And you remember this Earth Day claim a few years ago? The world is using the equivalent of one and a half planets to support life on Earth. Wait, what? What, a, what other planet have we, have we used half of? <laughs> I didn't remember borrowing half of another planet. Triple eight nine hundred. No, triple eight seven two seven B E C K. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. <laughs> Glenn Beck. Coming up, uh, Jeffy's going to join us, and we're going to taste test the new Dunkin' Donuts donut fries. Oh, you can't miss this. They exist. We have them. We are going to taste test them and give you important information for your July 4th holiday. Much bigger than the Supreme Court nominee. Oh, yeah. Much. We're talking donut fries here. Glenn Beck. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn on uh, the Glenn Beck program. Um, You can also listen to my show, Pat Gray Unleashed, which immediately follows this on the Blaze Radio and TV Network. And course Stu and i'll be back not tomorrow because it's fourth of july but thursday together and then um i'll be doing the show on friday and then glenn will be back uh next week and i think you're gone aren't you are you you going somewhere yeah you i got doing a couple something? weeks off i'm excited about it are you going are you going anywhere going to see the family uh, up in connecticut uh, oh, okay for All right. a little uh should be a little cooler family vacation which will mm-hmm. be very nice and uh, my mom's coming in to visit for a couple of days it's gonna be a uh, fun Don't that be nice yeah that'd be nice you know a little family time uh-huh 
little family time. So I'm excited about okay. it. Okay. Apparently, Timothy Geiger, uh, Guy, uh, Geithner, Geithner mm-hmm. is remember back him? in the news. And it's been so long he's since he's been in the news, I didn't even remember his last name. Yeah, you might obviously. remember him from the early Obama days. Secretary of uh, Treasury. Yes. And he was... he. One of the big issues with him is he used TurboTax. He blamed TurboTax for his tax problems. Remember oh, that's this? right. Yeah. And everyone's like, wait a minute. You can't have yeah. tax problems. <laughs> and you're going to be the secretary of the treasury. You need to be able to pay your taxes. Yeah. Uh, well, he is back in the news and he's got a new business he's been working on. Okay. Uh, it's very exciting. I What's think, he doing? Well, he's, uh, you know how giving the Obama administration was. I was solving oh, yeah. all of our problems. Well, Obama phones. Oh, yeah. Obama phones, right? Yeah. So this is, he's kind of doing cash. that. He's, Obama phones, Obama cash. Yeah. He's basically doing that. It's now Geithner Cash, though. So what Geithner's apparently running a business. This is amazing. I didn't know this, this type of business existed. It doesn't seem on its face to be a good business. What they're doing is the business is they send checks to poor people. Oh, well, that seems nice. They just really send nice. them free money? Yeah, but it doesn't seem like it's a good business. It seems nice. But it doesn't seem like a good business, right? No, it seems like you'd go broke doing yeah. that. Well, not not if you do it this way. Uh, what they're doing is they're sending checks to poor people. Okay. And when they receive the checks, they deposit those checks. I mean, are they big checks or it's like a, a dollar? $1,200, $2,000. No. Wow. Some good chunk of cash if you're if you're like on the brink, right? Okay. Maybe you've got a car repair that's just happened. That's one of the highlights uh, stories they highlight here. Uh, in the Washington Post today. And what is the check? What is it? Is there something that accompanies it that says, hey, here's a check from Timothy oh. Geithner just because we really like you and we heard you're not doing you, well? You seem nice. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know you, but it seems like you might be nice because you're a low income person and low income people are generally nice. Yeah, generally nice. We, so yeah. mm-hmm. here's some money. We know you're not one of those evil rich CEOs, which yeah. those people are all bastards. Oh my gosh, you know that's I hate you them. You know that's true. I hate those people. The Koch brothers? Oh, gosh. Nobody more evil. You know how many Koch brothers there are? They have a thousand brothers in that family. Wow. They're all trillionaires. Wow. It's true. Well, they, they've uh, got all of the world's uh, wealth. Mm-hmm. Right in that family. Yeah. All uh, of it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has any wealth. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. And they all, by the way, <laughs> the, my favorite observation on the Koch brothers is there's really only two of them. And yeah. one of them just retired, by the way. And they're both mm-hmm. somewhat left of center. Yeah. And Generally speaking, they're, on social issues. They're libertarian leaning, although they seem uh-huh. to have an affinity for certain tax increases and strange things like that. But they're very like open borders. And, and while climate change has been pinned on them, at least one of them. Agrees with climate change. Yeah. Believes in climate change. But what's interesting is, like, they're adults. Mm-hmm. Okay? When you're an adult, you don't become the the, the blank brothers anymore, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you're just, yeah. you're two individuals. There's Charles <laughs> and David, right? Yeah. And so they, not only, I understand that they kind of, like, ran this business together, so they had similar levels of wealth, which would make sense. But if you look at them being listed, they'll just say they have the exact same amount of money. It's like they both have like $24 billion or something. And it's like none of them made a different choice to like buy a truck when the <laughs> other one didn't. There was never a time when one went out to dinner and spent a lot and the other didn't. There was never a moment where one invested in something that didn't go right and the other invested in something that worked. There's never been any separation. They all they have the exact same exact accounts. Exact same. Yeah. That's always amazed me. Forever. So anyway, Tim Geithner is not at that but level. But there's only two of them? Because uh, I thought there was, okay, there's Charles, there's David, mm-hmm. Tito, Marlon, and Jermaine. No, I think you have that. Right? I think it might have something else really? confused there. We'll, okay, maybe I'll We'll look walk into you that. through that in a minute. Tim Geithner, though, is not that rich, and he does not have a brother named Marlon. Okay. 
He does have this company, however, in which... So they send checks to poor people. Legitimately, that's mm-hmm. what they do. So the people take the check and they deposit it in their bank account. And all of a sudden, they have an extra $1,200 or $2,000. Now, of course, there's a level of you that would say, is there a string attached to this? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I would think about it. And, 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 and some of the people they highlight actually did notice that. But the string attached is, it's not it's just free money. It's a loan. So when you deposit the check, you're agreeing to a loan. The loan... <laughs> The terms of that loan are interesting. For example, um, Stephen Huggins received uh, uh, the check for a loan for $1,200. And he didn't want to deposit it at first because he actually realized, okay, this doesn't look right. He he thought there's a string attached. The interest rate, 33%. Whoa. 33% annual interest rate. But his Chevy pickup was in the shop. He didn't have enough money to pay for the repairs, so he needed the money. He decided to use the check. He he got twelve hundred dollars from the company plus an additional eight hundred from a representative uh, later on. Hundreds hundreds of dollars in processing fees, insurance, and other items plus Gosh. interest. He's now up to thirty two hundred and twenty one dollars that he owes them for, for a twelve hundred dollar loan for the twelve well two thousand I guess total okay. he got so he's up to thirty two hundred. And now uh, he is being uh, sued. Because he's not paying it back, I guess, fast enough. And so this is the way what they're doing. They because they've now added an extra five hundred and thirty six dollars uh, for extra f- fees that he's had to do to fight this. And this finance company is going after. They're now saying it's eleven point two billion dollar private equity fund uh, that is at the charge of this. A president is, of course, uh, Timothy Geithner, who is. Now they operate 450 branches in 22 states and their business is sending these high interest loans to people who Jeez. in the in their worst moments have to use them and at 33%. Now look, I am not You know a we've believer. heard about predatory lo- lenders. Exactly, yeah. That's the very definition of a predatory lender. Yes, now of course these people can make choices, right? And 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 to be I've never liked but the term predatory lending, out but it is, to them? In, it is? Sm- in fine print okay. that most people aren't reading. Yeah, And just at the very least, it's, it's a disingenuous business practice. I don't have any problem. Definitely. Like People used to be like, oh, check cashing stores are the devil. Like, you know, well, a check cashing store is okay for certain people who need it, right? Mm-hmm. There, there is a, there's a market of people who can benefit from a check cashing store. Sure. And you know what? Uh, if you agree to the terms, you agree to the terms. You don't have to go. Yeah, you agree to the terms, you agree to the terms. That's the way these things work. They're voluntary transactions. And at times, however, some of these companies take advantage of people who might not be reading fine print or maybe not understanding it and making giant profits on it. And now the Obama administration has a nice representative running one of these uh, situations. Uh, Geithner... um, Is there any explanation from him on how he can live with himself doing this to people? Especially people who can least afford it. Well, this is the thing, Pat. Uh, as Treasury Secretary, Geithner excoriated predatory lenders. <laughs> yes. And their role in the Wall Street meltdown yes. of 2007. The financial, cr- quote, the financial crisis exposed our system of consumer protection as a dysfunctional mess, leaving ordinary Americans way too vulnerable to fraud and other malfeasance. Many borrowers, especially in subprime markets, she's this guy, bit off more that they could chew because they didn't understand the absurdly complex and opaque terms of their financial agreements or were actively wow. channeled into the riskiest deals. 
Wow. You mean a risky deal like getting a check <laughs> in the mail at a 33% loan? Could wow. that be a risky deal? I mean, that is... Uh, That's again, despicable. I mean, if, if it was the evil Koch brothers doing something like this, they they might have an argument to say, look, we the terms are disclosed. Maybe you think we should write them in larger font. Uh, but these people make and the choice. And that'd be the lead the story on mm-hmm. every broadcast on CNN and MSNBC. To be fair, this is the Washington Post with an extensive... Uh, analysis and they i mean they did they really dove into this now look i don't don't know what you know beating up on tim geithner does for the political discussion at this moment uh now because now he's a capitalist and now it's okay to go after him wasn't Mm -hmm. okay to go after him when he was using TurboTax. wasn't okay to go after him when he's in the obama administration and making the arguments about how evil predatory lending was now that he's out of there and he's a businessman i guess you can go after him but that being said give credit to the washington post here for actually doing a little bit of work and and exposing yeah. I think, I don't know if it's anything illegal, but something really hypocritical. Unethical, anyway. Hypocritical, sure. So uh, uh, You know who has a better idea to help the poor is uh, Richard Branson. He's oh, got, really? Yeah. He's got a great solution to uh, poor people, and that's to uh, send him free money. Just give him free money. Not from Tim Geithner, but uh, from, from the government. Um, and the government just has a wellspring of money, and I, I don't know where so it comes from. They've just got so much money, and they just give it to people. So that's great. So this is a good idea. Are those, those the, uh, is that the group that bring, but prints those uh, green pieces of paper with the presidents on them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really cool. Those are cool. Have you used those? And they, they can, they they can keep really doing well. that over and over and over. You just print so, it and give it to people. As long as they have paper. Yeah. They have to get right. paper. You do have to have that's paper. That's why the environment is so important, to keep trees uh, <laughs> available for us to print money. So he's he's also another guy that's on the basic income. Just you you just get a basic income bandwagon. Oh jeez, um, this, this is already failed. Really becoming prevalent though. There's a lot of talk of it. Yeah, they failed. It went, was it Finland or Denmark? Finland. It was Finland that did it, uh, and they have Didn't abandoned work. the transaction. It was amazing. Um, there's a it's a podcast that, that featured this. Uh, maybe 99 percent invisible. I think it was maybe. And they did a whole thing on universal basic income. First of all, did you know mm-hmm. that Nixon uh, advocated for this? Yes. Which is kind of amazing. I mean, N- yeah. Nixon, the was ultimate Republican, right? A yeah. huge conservative that not only not. wanted universal basic income and experimented with it in the United States, by the way, but also wanted to ban all handguns. <laughs> so, but other than that, we're real hardcore conservative there. That's mm-hmm. one of those guys that just, he becomes a conservative after the scandal. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was seen as mean. And, and look, he was a Republican as opposed to a Democrat. He was more conservative than some people in the country, obviously. But the idea that he was some ideological conservative is insane. He was a, progr- a progr- progressive Republican. Big time. So anyway, he wanted to do that. Finland decided to try to do it. And they had that interview with a woman who was on the basic income giveaway from the uh, Finnish government. And it was interesting what they decided to do. They didn't. They, you know, the idea here and the, the concept of the podcast was to say, what a wonderful way to design policy instead of going out and just like passing, let's say, Obamacare. They didn't, certainly didn't use that as an example, but just use it for ourselves. You pass Obamacare. What they say is, all right, like try things. Give, you know, maybe you, you try Obamacare in one community. Maybe you try it over, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 10,000 people spread across the country. And that's what Finland decided to do. They essentially did a lottery. And in a way, a real lottery in which they gave away money as universal basic income to a bunch of people. And I think it was just a few thousand. It was a few thousand people. Yeah. So they interviewed one of them on this podcast. And she's like, you know, I just I haven't had been able to get a job. 
and you know it's been really tough and i i just find myself constantly struggling to do the basic things and now universal basic income has come he's come in and it's and i get these checks every month and now i don't have to worry about those things i'm able to focus on instead of just scrambling every month to make my bills i am able to focus on things that are more productive and spend time with my family and blah 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you listen to the whole thing at the very end, you find out that she still hasn't gotten, she hasn't been able to get a job. So it has, the idea was okay, if you take the struggles of the everyday out of these people's lives, they'll be able to focus on more important things. They'll be able to get a job. They'll be able to hold out for something uh, that's a little bit better. And that's exactly what she wound up doing because all of her bills are paid. She held out for something better and nothing ever came along. She didn't take the day to day work because she didn't need the day to day work anymore. She just did. Nothing. Now, she enjoyed her life a lot more, I'm sure. What, wouldn't you? If you yep. didn't have to come in here and blab every day, wouldn't that be fantastic? You just sit at home, all your bills are paid? Yep. That'd be great. Yes, it would. Now, the society falls apart when you do that with everybody. As Ben Franklin said, people mm-hmm. should be made to be uncomfortable in their poverty. Ben Franklin was pretty smart, yeah, wasn't he? smart guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a reason for it. Because if they're comfortable in their poverty, eh, just keep taking what you give them. Yeah. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. More of uh, Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program coming up. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn. Looks like Bono is upset, and he doesn't really direct this toward anybody. But you kind of get the impression he's talking about Donald Trump. He is saying that the United Nations and other international institutions, including the European Union and NATO, are now under threat. Good. <laughs> good. Now, that's not good to Bono because he thinks these are all, let's get together and, and be peaceful and loving to one another. And we can all talk about it at this wonderful organization. The UN needs to fold or it, be taken, just push it off this continent. Get rid of the UN in the US and get us out of the UN and let them go do whatever they want in Belgium. I, I don't care. Headquarter, NATO, and the UN. In Brussels. I'm fine with that. And then we're not part of either one of them. We should get out of all these organizations. Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, NATO I have a, a stronger affinity to than the UN. I mean, the UN I see no value in at this point. None. None. I mean, not to mention we pay, obviously, for the whole thing, basically. Uh, but, you know, NATO is still as a, you know, I, I like, you know, NATO generally in that, you know, there is a... There's some value in a, you know, united front of, you know, the North Atlantic uh, nations who aren't necessarily no, not, in the North no, Atlantic not at all. But like, you know, similar thinking principled nations yeah, that stand yeah, yeah. together. I, I like that, um, especially when it comes to defense in that you, know, you, you like the idea that there's some uh, some uh, alliance there. However, <laughs> lots of asterisks to that. It doesn't seem to operate correctly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly there's very uh, limited benefit for us. It's really more of a, of a, um, it's a, it's, it's something we owe, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. Hey, some Baltic state just got attacked. We need to step now in. We got, yeah. Right. Like that's really the function of it. Like there's not, yep. it's not like, you know, Lithuania is going to jump in. I don't know if Lithuania is even in it, but like, you know, it's <laughs> like, there's not going to be, people aren't going to be jumping to our defense if we get attacked uh, in any meaningful way. No, but there are there are international norms that have you know helped probably um, in the idea of increased war. Right, we we are in a period of 
downturn in violence due to war, despite how many, the terrible uh, narratives that we've heard, which is good. I mean, I, you know, we have yes. come the, in, in the right direction in that front, and NATO's been part of that. But it is one of the things that I like about Trump. He's he doesn't care. He's he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He's American centric, and if these organizations are one sided, or or count on us too much, like the UN, and man, that's certainly true. He's willing to get out there and say, "Yeah, we're not doing this anymore. It's yeah. a bad deal for us. We're not doing that." I, I like that about him. I do like that too. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily agree with his analysis every time he says it. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we, I don't necessarily think that he. I mean, the trade stuff is is would be my biggest problem. Yes. You know, I mean, a lot of times he says yeah. we have. Hey, he's been talking about these really bad tariffs with Canada and how they're hitting us with these terrible tariffs, and it's like, well, actually, their tariffs are lower than ours. We have a trade surplus with Canada, not a trade deficit. Trade surplus with Canada. Right. You know, we. Uh, Bunny threw out a hot button issue, and that's the two hundred and seventeen percent, seventy percent. But it's not even a real tariff. Tariff it's, on milk. It's but it's not even a real tariff. It's a two tier tariff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't kick in. We have almost no milk that actually falls under the tariff. And the thing he pulled out of uh, the 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 TPP eliminated it. It was already gone. <laughs> he pulled out of it. It was the only reason it's still there, and it really doesn't make any difference anyway. Yeah. It's no, almost no dairy products fall under that tariff, and that's the, been the one that they've talked about incessantly. And again, there's he's right in that there are problems with, with trade. Other countries do things that are poor. Um, I, I, I fully support the his argument, Donald Trump's argument that he made when he talked to the G7, which was, Hey, eliminate all tariffs for everybody. Now, I think yes. most people ignored that because they don't believe he's serious about it. And I think he just threw it's it out there as not. a rhetorical device. But, but I support be, it fully. Me too. And, and you know what? It is revealing that these other countries didn't go, uh, okay, we'll take you up on that. You Isn't notice it? they didn't. Yeah. Um, and he, so I think that was the point Trump was trying to make. I'd rather see it as a real policy. Go for it, man. Get rid of these things. They're terrible. We eat donut fries oh, next. Yes! Yes! This is the Glenn Beck Program. Pat and Stu for Glenn today, uh, and being joined by Jeffy now. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we, uh, we heard about a new product that must be tried scientifically. It's just for science. We don't want to. It's just that we do this for you and for science. Yeah, we have Th- to. They are uh, donut fries from Dunkin' Donuts. I understand these are keto-compatible, uh, both pre- and probiotic. <laughs> With all kinds of antioxidant power. Oh, wow. Am I if right? you say those things, then, then they're yeah. got to be good. And then they're, so they're good they came for five you. in a pack. Yeah, you get five in a pack. Uh, I only so have four. I got ripped off. They're, they are fr- donut yeah. sticks, I would say. They're not. They're really like thick fries. My guess is these are just donuts in the shape of a French fry, and so they're donut fries, right? I mean, Isn't I that think that's are? what they're going for here. Yeah. Now, almost a they, churro. If you, yeah, almost. Yeah, you could say churro. I see on the outside... If you see like salt would be on a fry, you see, I guess, a sugar or a cinnamon sugar type of vibe on the outside of it. Um, they uh-huh. are, you know, about the size of your finger. Mm-hmm. And they smell pretty freaking good. I mean, donuts are good. That's the thing. You start with something like donuts. And they're good for you. Absolutely, they're, they're good for you. Am I right? I heard somewhere that they're prebiotic, probiotic. Pro- yeah, and like, that's what I heard. Keto uh, compatible. I heard that too. Now, it doesn't say that here. All it's organic. Sa- it says here the five, uh, the five <laughs> sticks uh-huh. are 240 calories. <laughs> For the five, it's not though. bad. Yeah, five grams of sugar, fourteen grams of total fat. That's perfect. That's oh, not this bad. Is basically, kale. this is basically you're right. <laughs> kale or quinoa. <laughs> it's like you. eating one of those. Very similar Thank to you. quinoa. You know? Yeah. 
All right, let's give it a shot here. Dunkin' Donuts uh, donut fries. Oh. Mm. It's a donut in the shape of a fry. It needs syrup, though. Mm. It's almost like the French toast sticks. It's a sugar donut. Yeah, this is... Uh, in the shape of a fry. I, I, I actually... If they were hot... Still, but these came two hours ago, so they're yeah, not. They're right. not hot, so uh, getting them at the store would improve this experience. However, I will say, uh, a donut Underwhelming. needs needs a thicker base because that's where the fluffiness lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because these are you're thin, right. you're getting just like crunchy exterior of donut. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, it's not, oh yeah. And because they're cold, mm-hmm. they're just, it loses a lot. So I'm going to say. Get through, I'll, get oh, wow. I'll get the rest of yours. Shocking. Yeah, that is a stunning mm. surprise. Man, I, 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 mean, I didn't say I wasn't going to eat them. I'm just saying they're not I, spectacular. I was supposed to have five. I only got could, four. You can have the rest of those. These are uh, very underwhelming to me. Yeah, they're not worth now, the calorie intake. No. Now, if you went to the store, you got them right out of whatever. Hot, fresh. Okay, maybe there's something maybe. there. They're okay. But these are, this is not a good delivery system for fries. Now, no. I will say this. Uh, at the Texas Rangers ballpark. Mm-hmm. Here uh, in Arlington, uh, Texas, there is a stand right behind Home Plate, which has waffle, uh, or not waffle, uh, funnel cake fries. Funnel cake fries okay. are utterly amazing. But I see, love yeah. them. But a lot of that stuff is like these as well. They got to be hot. They got to be hot. You got to get them fat. And and also, I would say this: you got with something like this, gotta have dip- dipping sauce. Yes, you gotta have yeah. it. Where's the like a raspberry dipping yeah. sauce? Oh here? my gosh, the raspberry dipping sauce? Are you kidding me? They'd be delicious. Yes, mm. that's what's missing here: yes. the heat and a dipping sauce. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give these an, an eight. No, this, uh, and by the way, on a scale seven. of one to eighteen, because mm-hmm. Jeffy, Jeffy can only your... count to eighteen. <laughs> so that's where that came from so. in the patents due era. Mm. Uh, I would say this, uh, what I have here, is the well, now empty only, bag of Jeffy's donut fries. I only, As we were, I only had four of them. It was not even five. As we were talking, he <laughs> ate the whole bag. So uh, we do appreciate it. I was that. hungry. I was waiting for them. So it's not entirely true that you're a marathon eater rather than a sprint eater. You're really kind of both. You sprint and marathon. You short, sprint and just keep eating. Short distances, though, I sprint. <laughs> That's a surprise. I would have guessed another Shocking. outcome. Shocking. <laughs> so is there anything uh, potential uh, added value other than the donut fries that you're bringing to the table today? Me? Yeah. Are you talking to me? Well, uh, congratulations uh, are in order Oh, to uh, Angela Ponce. Uh, she's going to be the she- he going to be the first transgender woman to compete in oh. the Miss Universe. I actually uh, like contest. this story because of the twist in it. There's a little bit of a twist. Well, with with uh, our president. Yes. Yes, that's kind of that's kind of cute. But she's well, you uh, could have built that won. up a little bit. You didn't have to just <laughs> ruin the surprise. Well, I didn't know the person responsible for her well, being. Oh, he's. Oh, what do you mean that the part six that, years ago? Do you mean the part where they see dead people? Yes. <laughs> Is that what you mean? <laughs> You mean the part where he's dead the whole movie and you'll like find out at, at the, the very, end, very end the that end? he's been dead the whole time you thought he was alive? Uh, did I ruin that for anybody? No. <laughs> you mean the part where Dr. Vader is his father? <laughs> yeah, that's the part. But he wasn't part. the president then. No, I, I don't, doesn't it doesn't matter. matter that he was the president then. What matters is... All they do is scream and yell about how evil he is. If you're in GLAD or any of these organizations, they hate his guts. 
when in fact he's the most gay-friendly president to ever be elected. There's no question. There's no doubt. It's hands down. And he is the one who changed the rule and and sided with Glad when this person sued. Well, he actually claims that he did that before. That was a bit of the fight that that they had decided before the lawsuit that they and were going to accept that transgender people. They were already going to do it, right? Because uh, the girl that was going to that filed the lawsuit was with Gloria Allred, who Trump hates. Yeah, and he, there's a tweet that he tweeted later saying, uh, calling her a third-rate lawyer. And asking, is Gloria a man or a woman? A eh, few men would know the answer to that one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> was that in 2012 or yeah, 13? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. He was Trump a little was. more aggressive. He, oh. People think he's aggressive on Twitter now. Wow. Uh, they were not uh, following him in 2012. Yeah. Had That's I known, and, and he even said we made the decision two days before we even heard that Allred was involved. Had I known she was involved, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have made the decision. She's so easy to beat. <laughs> so Spain's <laughs> Angela Ponce is now the first ever transgendered person to compete in the Miss Universe pageant coming. Yeah, you know, good. Uh, good for her. She beat out all the other contestants, and she's on in her way. In Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So she's headed to the contest. I... <laughs> it would be interesting if Miss Universe is awarded to a person who was born a man. Wouldn't that be fascinating? It's, it just it shows be, how far uh, we've come. Intri- intriguing commentary. <laughs> Plus, I think, too, mm-hmm. that they're, you know, there's so many people that are just trying to... They live their lives to try to do something that would make Donald Trump mad. Yeah. Right? Like, I would not mm-hmm. be surprised if just because they think he, they can say his old pageant is now won by a man who is actually a woman now would be a wonderful statement of tolerance in the society in which now, you know, because we it's all hate. And, you know, the incivility is out of control, Pat. It is the incivility of, of the right, the <laughs> incivility of, of Donald Trump. Of Donald Trump, thank exactly. you. I know thank that. You. Only Donald Trump's civility could cause someone to want to murder Ajit Pai, his FCC uh, director, right. um, about net neutrality. And only Donald Trump's incivility could cause for somebody to threaten to chop up Rand Paul and his family right. with an axe. Wait, what? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Rand, Rand Paul. Paul's had a tough year. Oh, my gosh. Had a tough year. He was at the ballpark. Right then he got then the neighbor attacked him and then he's had this guy right threatening him right I mean that's all of this last some close year calls, I man. know was he at the baseball game Yeah he was at the I shooting of the baseball I don't remember for sure was he Yeah you're mm. positive Yes All right I mean I've got no confidence in <laughs> <your> <laughs> <servitude>. <laughs> you have your computer right in front of you look it up zero confidence in Jeffy's well, servitude I will say this this is something I had discovered about Jeffy many many years ago Just go with is it. that his <laughs> confidence level mm-hmm. uh in between something like you know what is your wife's name or your son's name his confidence level in that fact uh and and his confidence level in something he has absolutely no idea about <laughs> or he presents them the exact same way <laughs> and you're like oh, oh okay. really oh yeah. okay well, so really that's the basic of uh, of quantum physics absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, absolutely yep you're positive of that oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah fact <laughs> and then you read it and you're like wait a minute that's not it at all oh, it, it was yeah. completely wrong he was completely wrong huh. but oh, I he thought, just walks no. through the door <laughs> i'm pretty sure that was right like jeffy's like the ultimate <laughs> wedding crasher like he could just walk into a wedding and just he's just gonna look like the family and people are gonna be talking to him oh, and yeah. asking him things you're like absolutely he just that has to be a big family if he looks like it i mean that's one gigantic <laughs> family <Why>? really <laughs> <laughs> Mean, is why? there is there such a family on this planet? I don't. I mean, outside of the animal kingdom, is there, <laughs> is 
is there such a family? That's all I'm asking. <clears throat> You're welcome. By the, the answer way, to that is yes. Yeah, okay. We should point out uh, mm-hmm. chewing the fat with Jeffy happens every day on the Pat Gray Unleashed program. Yes, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. It's yes, a it good does. time to remind you of that, and you mm-hmm. can listen to the podcast or watch it on theblaze.com slash TV. Thank you for that reminder. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Things like this seem to happen as I watch <laughs> yes. every day. It does happen from time to time. Once in a while. You know, yesterday we talked about, I know you talked about the the uh, trash pile. The garbage though, patch. We, that was a, a, a revelation. Yeah. Uh, that started with, uh, you know, the bull- well, first it started with the bullying of whales. That's a common thing that I'm taking on now. There was a uh, pilot whale that was this- bullied. Into, into eating, eating trash plastic bags, bags. <laughs> trash bags. Wait, and it killed him. And it killed him. No, so, I don't know how many how many plastic bags pilot whales can eat and live, but eighties too many. Eighties <laughs> one, at least one too many. Yes. So is this Donald Trump's fault too? Did Donald Trump bully him into? Yes. I don't know it, if it was Donald the, Trump or not, but somebody bullied this pilot. Incivility whale. of the Trump administration has affected this entire planet and every living thing on it. <laughs> every living thing, and that's why we can attribute. Uh, his incivility to this death of a pilot whale. Well, I will say there's one thing, thing that both Pat and I unite on is we are against bullying. Uh, we want to make sure no Oh, one... I mean, that goes without <laughs> saying. I don't know why you'd even say something like that. Why oh, I just want to make sure people you... understand. We're just reinforcing because yeah. we okay. never bully anyone. Yeah, no. I... Never. We wouldn't. Why are you looking at me? We might that? say the truth yes. about certain people. Oh, sure. Well, the truth has to be stated. You know, but that's just us being honest and forthright. It's like if Jeffy comes in and asks, D- does my fat make me look fat? Of course, we're going to say, yes, it does. We wouldn't lie to him about that. <laughs> he doesn't ask that all that often, but we do answer <laughs> no, it. but we do answer it. Quite a bit. Truthfully. Just well, in case well, he, thank you. Just in yeah, case he were oh, you to look ask. like they're going to ask you're a welcome. question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I know what the yes means. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So what's your, uh, what's your rating, 1 to 18, on the donut fries? You know... <sighs> Mine, what did you give it? I think I, I give it more like a six. That was almost an eight, right? I was a seven. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think I landed at seven. I don't know. Maybe if it had some milk or something with it, it might be. Oh, jeez, might be better. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. You know, sometimes I think I miss the Patents Two show, and then uh, I remember Jeffy doing this. I remember the milk. This happening so often. The milk thing, for whatever reason, he must bother us with the milk thing. Oh, it would be, you've had a glass of milk. It would be good with it. Is there anything so. that could make it better? Yeah, maybe make some milk. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for this, Jeff. You're welcome. Yes, no problem. thank you. Mm-hmm. We're really happy to have you here. And yes, your fat makes you look fat. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't ask. Pat and Stu for Glenn. Mm. On the Glenn Beck program. We live in a divided country, Pat. No. Very divided. In fact, a divided Mm. globe. Did you know that? A divided globe. Uh, They did a... a, a, uh, BBC Mm. did a poll of a bunch of countries and asked, do you think your country is divided? Okay. Okay. What do you think the U.S. percentage was? People who think that we're divided. Expected to be very high, right? Yeah. And it is. uh, 84%. 84% say the U.S. that's extremely the is divided. Yeah. Okay. It's not number one on the list. What one thing I would say huh. is a pretty amazing is two points ahead of South Africa. <laughs> you look at the example wow. of a divided country. You'd think of South Africa. Only eighty-two percent of people in South Africa say their uh, their country is divided. Uh, however, not the highest. Where did we place? Can you say? Uh, let's see. One, two, I think there's nineteen total. We were one, two, three, four, five, sixth okay. of the listed countries. 
um, to actually tie with a few others. Poland, 84%. Spain, 84%. Brazil, 84%. I mm. mean, every country. What I think is interesting about this is pretty much every country thinks they're divided. Yeah. Uh, there's only a couple of ex- exceptions to this, and they're not places you'd necessarily want to live. Saudi Arabia, only 34% say they're divided. Wow. China, only 48% say they're divided. Those are the only two countries under 50. Japan, 52. Turkey, 65. India, 66. France, 75% say they're divided. Mexico, 78. Germany, 81. Russia, 81. South Africa, 82. Brazil, 84. Spain, 84. U.S., 84. Poland, 84. Uh, The U.K., 85. So they think they're even Mm. more divided. Italy, 92% say they're divided. Wow. Italy? What are they divided over? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, marinara versus Alfredo? <laughs> Maybe. Could be. Um, Argentina, 92% okay. say they're divided. Huh. Number one wasn't stunning to me. 93% of people in Serbia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I kind of think, okay, yeah, they're pretty yeah. divided. Yeah, that makes some they're sense. They're pretty divided. And do they even know what they're fighting about? Because <laughs> Americans sort of don't. <laughs> no, don't. That, that, was a, that Serbian thing was strange because... I don't think a lot of Americans knew what the issues were or whose side we should be on. Who was the good guy? Who was not? Because you, if you remember, it was Christians against Muslims there. That's not how it was presented, but that's essentially what was at the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And we were on the side of the Muslims, mm-hmm. right? Against the, Christ, the Serbian Christians. It's a bizarre one. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And we nev- were never given credit for having helped uh, Muslims in Serbia. Anybody ever said, hey, remember when the U.S. Uh, helped Muslims? Remember? They, they, what? It took, they, they took the battle to the Christians in that, in that particular war. Mm. It's amazing. So how much uh, Civil War genocide talk coming up on Pat Gray Unleashed today? 100%. Oh, really? The whole show <laughs> yeah, wow. dedicated oh, wow. to a Serbian genocide. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. wow. It's definitely one to tune in on, on July 3rd. <laughs> Glenn Beck. Mercury. 